But I, I think like when you are somebody who is epic, but wasn't celebrated as such until way after you were kind of disregarded, I always wonder if you actually like know how dope you are. You know, like, because your ego is kind of taking a blow in a way that like Malto or like Lou Reed probably was always knew he was the shit. Um, Malto is the Lou Reed of skateboarding. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Great point. Analogy. Finally, someone said it. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I try to talk about them both in the same same breath. Um, That's probably the first time that ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, skaters? Welcome back to another wonderful, incredible, unbelievable episode of Vent City. We are coming to you recorded. I always say coming to you live and I'm like, wait, this comes out like many days, sometimes weeks later, sometimes months. (laughs) I myself am Ted Schmitz. I'm coming to you from a mostly Greek block in Astoria, Queens. Then coming to us from a mostly rich block in Manhattan, we have Adam Burns from the middle of the country block. We have Kyle Beachy, and from a mostly Californian block, we have Alex White out of Monterey, California, and from another mostly Californian block, we have newly anointed Dr. Theodore Barrow. We are going to be talking about art museums. We're going to be talking about pro skaters in art museums. We're going to be talking about traveling But before that, I want to talk about a one-time guest pro for Strange Love who spent time in an art museum. Ted, how are the new digs? You mean like uh, finally defending and filing my PhD, my dissertation? Yes. (laughs) Feels great. Um, It's a massive relief. And now I have to find something else to complain about. (laughs) (laughs) You seem pretty, pretty stacked on those. You seem pretty, pretty well equipped with, yeah. You know, what's weird is I actually was like, um, oh fuck. I I don't care about skateboarding anymore either. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a terrible way to start a podcast where we're going to be talking about skateboarding and kind of demonstrate how much we care about the stuff. But like, maybe that just means I'm like celebrating right now, but yeah, I'm like, I have seen this one project through and now my one source of like release, which was like thinking about and nerding out about and just actually skateboarding is so less compelling to me. Wow. Let me ask you a question, Ted, give us, can you give us the timeline? Like in in terms of projects that last a long time in terms of like drawn out labor, like what, what actually was the, how many years have you been at this? I, uh, entered the graduate program in the fall of, of 2009. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's 2023. So, <clears throat> but you haven't been in a spring, you haven't been in a classroom, right? Like for those no, 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 for, I finished- for listeners who might not understand how the, the doctorate works, like yeah. when was okay, the last sorry. time you were in right. a class? 2014. Okay. 
And, um, oh, damn. yeah, so maybe, you know, seven or eight years to, to write, uh, to get, put it into perspective in the, for the, in the class that I entered with like the 14 or others people that were in, in that class in 20, 2009, um, I'm the only person from that class to be getting their dissertation to get their PhD this year. Okay. But the two colleagues that are doing that with me that I've worked alongside one entered the program a year before me in 2008 and one entered the program a year after me in 2010. Okay. So we've been neck and neck this entire time. A lot of people have left and like did smarter things and, you know, like got jobs that actually paid or had a promise. Learned to code. <laughs> Learned to code. Yeah. <laughs> Worked at Etsy. Um, Consulting. But yeah, it's, it's just, there was definitely a weeding out process and there's definitely all of us had to make allowances for making time for other things. For me, I decided to run a marginally successful uh, and <laughs> profoundly controversial and destabilizing uh, <laughs> satirical account on Instagram. Uh, sure. <laughs> and do other, you know. And you yeah. wrote your dissertation about that. Weirdly, no, but I kind of, yes. So here, here's a question though, truly like to that point, like uh, when you work on a project for seven years, obviously the project changes as you go. Like, do you, do you think that the thing that you submitted, the document that you submitted and then sat there and sort of uh, verbally defended, um, do you, or orally, I suppose, defended, do you, do you see like your original seed in that idea pretty much? Or like, is there something that happens along those seven years where it, it becomes something else for you? Thank you. That's such a good, thank you for that question. Yeah. I, my initial, remember 2015? Do y'all remember? No. Hey, what's up? Wow. Hi. Hey guys. Hi. Nice to see you. How's it going? So good to see you guys. Good. Sorry. I'm late. And fresh from Cambodia. We have Kristen Ebeling. <laughs> Okay. So good to see you. Um, um, some light in here. Ted's a doctor. We're talking about that. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about skate stuff soon. Did you guys actually but, um, start? Yeah, we're yet? going. Yeah. Yes. Oh, shit. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so good to see you. This is much more important. I mean, seeing you is much more important. Um, remember 2015, like Florida man memes and stuff like that? Remember how like cute and funny Florida was like in 2015, like bath salts, stuff like that? Yeah. 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 Uh, also remember how like in 2015, Donald Trump was like a joke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. And, what is reality? <laughs> right. So, so that was when I proposed my dissertation topic and I, it was going to be about like the way in which humor and irony and cynicism have inflected our view of a state that embodies the aspirations and anxieties of the United States, but in a kind of like funny, safe irony, vice magazine, big brother type of way. Um, well then shit got real. Yeah. And my, <laughs> my, uh, dissertation ended up being through the lens of these two artists thinking about, uh, you know, a, like race from a decolonial perspective and the environment from a, profoundly eco-critical perspective while also looking at the very same watercolors, which happened to depict Afro-Caribbeans in a tropical landscape to which they did not belong, but by which certain attitudes about America, the United States, 
the construction of whiteness and all these things were negotiated in the tropics in places like Florida. They were touted as European colonial like paradises and experienced as like the absolute worst of the United States. You know, man, I appreciate you talking about that because the the reality of long projects is just so super fascinating. I know this was not in our show notes and apologies for this, but like, like Adam, you, you work on a single and then at some point you're going to like work to compile an album like Ted Schmitz, you're on this like wild monthly schedule of issues that you are constantly putting out and like the, the website itself is just like a constantly updating thing. Um, Alex, what is you, you just built like a greenhouse in your backyard. <laughs> Kev, you've been running skate after school for, for X years. And, but you also have the music thing. Skate like, like a girl. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Skate like a girl. My bad. I'll um, run any of them. Yeah. Sure, of fuck it, you could <laughs> close your eyes. You can do it, man. You don't need a thing. But like, I am curious about like, how skaters tap into big projects because, you know, first, I think for me, like skateboarding, it was always the outlet of like the alternative to the big thing that I was working on. Right. It's like the thing you could do in just very bite-sized little nugget pieces. You can step out and like, fuck it. I need 20 minutes and just go and do kickflips badly or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think there's, there's something interesting about, um, the fact, Ted, that you finish the big project and suddenly you find yourself like less interested in in skateboarding. Oh, I was just I mean, I was kind of kidding. Like, I think we would all agree that like in a weird way that skateboarding is a big project because, you know, what whether it's marking your progress and showing gradual improvement, being like, I'm going to ollie six stairs today where last month I could only ollie five or something like that. Or if it's just like, how do I relate to this thing over time? And how do I keep finding new ways to like enjoy this thing when all these other life stuff uh, are, are impeding that? I mean, isn't that, don't we all kind of, haven't we all learned how to do big projects through skateboarding, either through using skateboarding as a release or just like looking at, approaching skateboarding as a big project tray flips for me <laughs> yeah. stand out yeah <laughs> switch <laughs> how long have i been learning to tray flip fucking christ man yeah still can't really do it. no that's it <laughs> i consider that a toxic relationship yeah, that's you say that. <laughs> i have the same 20 years with three flips i've only ever done one really long project and i think that i was thinking about this the way that like school conditions you and and speaking of the person that we're going to be getting into, Alexis, she's like this. It kind of conditions you to crank things out in like manic spurts, like five page essays, 10 page essays, like shit that you shouldn't, but that you can do in one sort of Adderall infused night. Like, and I, I just think it's, a, I don't know, it, it is like increasingly hard to like the only, like I did an episode of no coping. It took me fucking a year and a half. And it was basically three months broken up over a year and a half with manic week long episodes of inspiration. And then it would just go into a hard drive for multiple months. And that's what I think is like really hard and weird about maintaining those projects. Like, how do you, like, you don't have a bookmark for where you left off looking at, you know, some hundred paintings, um, that shit just seems like 
Dude, same with a novel like fucking impossible. Mm. Yeah, it started to coalesce into like at a certain point, all the scattered notes kind of started to come together. And I was like, all right, this is the shape of this thing. And now I can kind of chip away or add, you know, and, and like shape it the way that I see that I w- want it to be. But I still think that like, I mean, school can, can or any sort of goal-based work can condition you to either procrastinate, procrastinate, stress out, have panic attacks, or it can condition you to maintain polish, uh, and you know, like do all your homework when, you know, and turn it in when it's due. I mean, I, I don't do that, but I've heard <laughs> some people do that. Alex and Kebs kind of seem like they might do that. I don't know. You'll, you'll seem type A as fuck. Adam, I don't know you that well. Kebs, so. are you, are you a like get the assignment, do it that night person? <laughs> what? Uh, I you- feel like this is a, this is an intervention. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, super attached to projects. I, I'm more like a doer. Like, I just want to get it done. Like, I'm not a perfectionist. I think uh, I grew up around like an older brother. Like, he was in the military, you know, one of those. Um, he's very much a perfectionist. Um, so much so like, I remember growing up and like eating around my brother and I remember food, like one of my earliest memory memories is just food being all over my face and my brother, like having a napkin and like cutting with like a knife and fork. He was older than me, but still like, <laughs> I don't what know. What was the age difference in this memory? Like four and a half years. I think I was Oh my maybe, God. Give yourself a break. Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah. I was like definitely old enough. Like I had like a sippy cup thing like that i drank out of till i was like probably like 10 you know i don't know or 12 even like thank you i feel so uh accepted here (laughs) thanks guys um but like i don't know i think i just grew up around like a perfectionist and so i was naturally like the opposite of that um and so yeah i don't know i feel like i just kind of get things done and i'm not really attached to like it being perfect i like to work collectively with people like i don't like like ted even you describing no coping and putting things on a hard drive and stuff like that gives me so much like anxiety. <laughs> I don't know. Does that, does that work for punitive damage also? Like do you guys, is your, is your recording process pretty much just like, let's go in, let's, let's get it down. Let's, let's make it and then move on to the next. Or did you um, tinker like sound engineering, like meticulously? Well, I feel like, uh, like the songs are kind of written by different people and then they like bring them to the group and then we kind of like add like touches onto them or, or change things or like how about this part instead or can we try it this way so like there's not like one songwriter that comes and brings like the whole thing together like in the songwriting process for us has been very collective which i really like that's like my ideal working style people yeah. bring ideas and then we like finesse them and make them the best possible as a group um i know a lot of people don't like working that way um, but for us, it works. And then as far as like recording, like we haven't really had the luxury of like really tinkering things too much. Like our last recording project for This is the Blackout, we had a specific budget and we were all going out of town to do it in LA and we had a finite amount of days to do it. Um, and I had to work that week. So I had to like, and if you're a bass player or a drummer, like, you know, that you pretty much go first with like track recording. So I was really insecure because I'd never recorded bass before, but I got in and I don't know. I didn't really know what I was doing. I think I had that um, beginner's confidence or beginner's luck. Yeah. Away. Like I kind of just got in and they, you know, our recording engineer was like, Oh yeah, it was great. You're done. I'm like, what? I'm done. Already? Like, cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was perfect by any means, but like, again, I wasn't super attached. Like I'm not, 
I don't know. I wasn't like listening back being like, Oh, I could have done this better. Like I'm not all in my head. I'm like, cool. I did it. Awesome. Yay. That sounds like fucking heaven. What you just described. Done is better than perfect. That's my vibe for sure. Done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. Good way to describe it. God, I wish I thought like that. Yeah. All right. Who's up next? (laughs) Yeah. Alex. I'm sorry. I'm having such a hard time on vent because it's like shifting to talking about ourselves. And all I fucking talked about the last week was other people (laughs) skating. (laughs) So I'm just like trying trying to immediately deflect like a mirror back about anything. (laughs) Just pretend all your life moments are someone's tricks down a staircase. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was a little sketchy. I don't know. She got overscored. (laughs) Kebs absolutely killed it with that personal anecdote. (laughs) Coming in next. (laughs) Really opened up. A little vulnerable. Very good. good. I think the judges are going to like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I like what you just said about getting stuff done versus being versus perfection, Ted, because I think I'm a doer. On to the next thing. Do it. On to the next thing kind of thing. And yeah, I'm not definitely not a perfectionist either with work stuff. But yeah, I'm trying to think of like specific examples. Um, well, I mean, like, why do why do we have to be so precious about everything? Right. You know, like that's that's the the way I th- I fi- find perfectionists to be egotistical in a way that I don't really relate to. Or when I find myself being a perfectionist, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm like way too invested in this and why what do i think people are going to think about this thing that i do that i can't control yeah i mean i hear that i i definitely hear that i'm gonna be a little defensive here there because i'm like i i am super like i'm a i'm a i'm a noodler you know like i'll i'll draft a whole bunch of words in the morning and then i'll spend all afternoon like fucking with them and and hating them and erasing most of them and so on but so like you know i mean The fact is, is that like what we are describing right now is pretty much the prevailing sort of, um, I don't know, the like pattern of output in contemporary society is that like, fuck, like throw it out there. Um, You know, I felt this is going to sound totally stupid, but I felt some sort of release when Instagram came up with the stories because I was like, oh, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about this. No one cares about this. Like at that point I had already started caring yeah. too much about tweets. Right. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, if you're caring about <laughs> tweets, something is maybe, you know, red flag, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I believe, and, and this might be an archaic way of thinking, but like I was raised to believe that you, if you do a thing, you know, you do that thing as well as you possibly can. And, and I say that with yes. free total 100% uh, uh, admission of the fact that like I go overboard and I, uh, and it has been at the, at times at least stultifying and sometimes totally paralyzing because it's like, well, I know I can do this better. So I better keep working at it. And so, you know, I think there is a balance. Like I don't want every novel to be written in a year like every novel I read, like I can tell when I'm reading a book, if someone put multiple years into it, you can tell, like you can, you can tell when an album has been meticulously, um, you know, produced and like, you, you know, re-recorded and like the vocals are layered in such a way you're like, wow, how did this happen? Um, but that's also just not everything that we want. Like I want an album that's been recorded super quickly after I listen to an incredibly meticulous, like super type a kind of like, let's really, let's get it right thing. I mean, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I hear your the sort of the ego side of it. I just, 
you know, there's also the fact that like, I want to, I want to consume things that someone put their whole fucking essence into. Yeah. But sometimes like you can put your whole essence into, I guess I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm like, I did have to get every tiny last detail of 305 pages down to an acceptable format. And I did work seven years on that. Right. And in some ways, like the reason I'm here talking to all of you is not because of that. It's because of the stupid thing that I did like on Instagram and you know, like where, where I, I didn't think that I was doing anything that seriously, but I also realized that at a certain point that I was expressing some weird sincerity very well that was serious, you know, like in other words, without like knowing that I was trying hard on something, I put in a lot of time to do something that ended up being kind of true to my sensibility. And so uh, your balance, the idea of balance is correct. Yeah. Totally. I mean, Alex, if, if I could like a thing that you brought, so Alex and I hung out this weekend. It was fucking great. Like I, 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 you know, now that I've seen Alex, twice in one year. I feel like I can't in person, wait. right? This yeah, is in great. Person. <laughs> I, I love that. I'm going to get some sort <laughs> of like, want to get away Southwest ticket and just come out to see Alex. But, <laughs> to um, Monterey. <laughs> but like, the, Oh, come please. Alex made uh, like, you were talking about doing the sort of courtside courtside, like st- street league side announcing and talking about the difference between like writing out your sort of bits oh, yeah. versus bullet points. And like, the, the fact of the matter is, is that like, there are some things that, uh, to have any sort of, to, to put yourself into too much is going to somehow like sully it. It's going to make it, it's going to make it too thick. It's going to make it feel try hard. It's going to make it feel like you're just, there's no life to it. Um, and you know, your point about bullet points was exactly it. Like just get the fucking point out. We don't have to write a whole paragraph about, whomever and their trick selection, like just get the thing out. Um, I don't know. I don't know where this is going. Yeah, no, I, I think that the, yeah. So I, what Kyle's telling, like I used to, um, before I do reporting, I would write a paragraph, like sketch it, like talk to fucking Sean Malto or I don't know, Vincent Malou. I'd be like, what's this course like? And did you break your board? And then I'd like have a full report and then I'd write it out. And in the span of 15 minutes, I'd memorize it. And then I'd go on camera and then I'd say it way too fast. And people mm-hmm. would write comments like, is she drunk? And then now <laughs> I've shifted to, I write, I have like a thesis in mind. And then it's like just bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. So it's just like, this is it. Da 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 done. And it's, and I, I think that like in these, like talking about big projects, perfectionists or just get it done. The, the root of it is like the process of, of what you're doing and kind of being comfortable in the process. And sometimes it's such an uncomfortable place to sit in a project that's unfinished that you just want to push it over the finish line. I mean, I don't know if any, do you guys experience that? Like sometimes I'm just like so fucking over it. I want to be done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'll put out something that I was planning to be perfect and it's not. And then I'll be like, oh, well, it's because I'm not a perfectionist, you know? <laughs> yeah, those are my life's regrets. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just think that also we have no control over how people receive it and what place they'll be in mm-hmm. like, yeah. w- when they encounter the thing, you know? So it's like, yeah, you might want to listen to like a multi-track Beatles album. Um, and that might <laughs> hit you at a certain time, but or whatever Beach Boys pet sounds. Or, or like, you know, a fucking Elliot Smith acoustic jam. 
Yeah. Yeah, but no, yeah. knowing knowing where somebody is when you're when you're sending a message or asking a request, there's like a science behind it too, and I've yeah. used it to manipulate men. Um, there's <laughs> you tell. <laughs> so women, Same we have a hormonal cycle that's like a 30 day hormonal cycle, right? Um, get this, Kebs. They have that in a day. So their hormonal cycle. This is from my 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 kid's doctor. And I, so men have the like the most testosterone in the morning, and then the least in the afternoon. And so if you want to ask a man to do something for you, ask in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't ask anybody in work for anything afternoon. <laughs> so I need something done. I'm like fucking 8 a.m., 9 a.m. email. Like <laughs> the rest of the day, I'm just like chilling. <laughs> God, we're, nice. we're pretty easy. To uh, I was wondering why yeah. those emails came so early. <laughs> Can you, can you put this up at the junk drawer at 7.55 a.m. Eastern time? Yeah. <laughs> um, Damn, what does that mean? I'm never up on the morning. You love <laughs> yeah, it's never there. Dude, I'm working on Pacific time. Uh, if we, in, For the sake of transition, you know who's incredibly meticulous and has all sorts of projects <laughs> going on at all times and is always doing things really well is Alexis Sablone. Hell yes. Yeah. Boom. Nailed it. Uh, Ted, um, you went to the Guggenheim. Yeah, and I could I could report to you all about it. Um, I actually was the photo assistant on the shoot for her shoe with Matt Price. Hey. With um, Price, yeah. yeah. So so I've seen Alexis's shoe the campaign from start to finish. Um, and by the way, if you can ever secure one of your best friends bloated day rates from one of the biggest shoe companies in the world <laughs> highly suggest I'm learning so much yeah. about working with yeah. men yeah <laughs> we look out for our okay <laughs> i mean if you want to know the full breakdown there's a whole event blog of it on thrasher magazine but uh <laughs> i i like to go to art know. museums i'm a cosmopolitan fellow um, it felt <laughs> fucking weird. And I don't want to say that to take anything away from Alexis, as I've realized later, like talking to people who like know her well, maybe Kyle is the sort, um, she is somebody who actually like, likes to be celebrated by, um, or to like achieve things with some institutional heft behind them whether that's Columbia or MIT or now the Guggenheim, these things actually like mean something to Alexis. Whereas I had a sort of kind of weird feeling. I actually really weirded her out that night too, because like, I don't, I don't know how to like address the questions that I have without waiting for their proper time. So like I like looked around, I saw a bunch of like kind of influencer types, like people with, nice clothes and stuff. And this is from a guy who wore a hat to his best friend's wedding reception. Um, so, so I just like looked around and I was like, dude, you guys are not sufficient. You guys are not good enough to celebrate her. Like I saw people taking selfies next to her, not with her. You know what I mean? Like they were happy to be inside the Guggenheim. And I like looked at her and I was like, do you think they even know who you are? And she goes, no. And I just like look at her and I go, do you know who you are? 
she was like, fuck. And she like, you never saw She that. did not answer that. And I needed to like to, create to space. To her credit. She hadn't slept in four days and she's like, not really. No, not yeah. currently. But the, thanks for the that thing intense that I question. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was basically like, let's get down to the core of this issue. Like, do you know that you are good enough? <laughs> like, um, but I, I think like when you are somebody who is epic, but wasn't celebrated as such until way after you were kind of disregarded, I always wonder if you actually like know how dope you are. You know, like, because your ego is kind of taking a blow in a way that, like, Malto or whatever, some of these other, like, I, I don't know, Lou Reed probably was always, knew he was the shit. Um, Malto is the Lou Reed of skateboarding. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Great Perfect point. analogy. <laughs> Finally, someone said it. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I tried to talk about them both in the same same breath. Um, That's probably the first time I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just felt like there was this, even though it's at the Guggenheim, it's this thing that's got this fucking massive cultural weight behind it. I just still felt it like uh, insufficient. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what it looked like from the outside. But the thing I kept wondering was like, is this good? Yeah. And that's the thing that I came into this discussion wanting yeah. to know how you guys thought of it. Is it good to rent out a famous art museum to give a pro skateboarder a shoot? Let's um let's sorry, Ted. Let's let's just to for ground flooring this also be clear that the last pro shoe that Cons did, um, they give they gave Louie a car and a and a private skate park for a bit, right? <laughs> so like the the precedent of spending money has been like, you know, the gauntlet has been thrown. Like here's what cons does for pro shoes. They, they not only celebrate in some way, they also give. Um, so with that in mind, uh, professor Barrow (laughs) doctor. Um, well, there's probably like, I mean, the Guggenheim makes the most sense for an event space for someone like Alexis, because she's like, studied architecture she's you know like it, it the whole thing it's yep. a skatable space it's probably like in a weird way like the what i what i understand of like the sculptures and the skatable object objects that she makes there's a, a consonant relationship between that sort of stuff and frank lloyd wright there's a consonant relationship between the guggenheim being in new york city and where, where she lives and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I, I, I also sort of felt kind of uncomfortable about, you know, I was just kind of like, Oh, this is a bad look for both people. We're both institutions. Like, like, why do we like, why do we have to have a skate event at a museum when like, we can't even skate the ledges outside the museum. And the only time that anyone ever skated that museum was for, as a, to film that thing with Jeremy Elkin that was profiled in the New Yorker and that like yeah. I haven't seen yet. So what do I want to talk about? You know what I mean? But it was pretty, it looks, it looked like it was pretty dope. Dopeness uh, carries a lot of weight here. It looked like a dope event. Yes. And she's very dope. It's a dope shoe. I say that as a professor. Well put, well put. Kebs. I mean, 
I guess you just added it as a skate spot, but I was just going to say, is the Guggenheim like the most famous location right now in skateboarding that's not like a skate spot or skate park? But mm-hmm. I guess it's a skate spot. So. I mean, it's like skatable. <laughs> it's totally skatable. Yeah. If you could skate there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of cool that they put the Guggenheim on to skaters. Like, I don't think your average skater would know what that is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it looked regal, and I was definitely jealous I wasn't there. Um, yeah, I hope everyone had a good time <laughs> taking <laughs> selfies with Alexis or without. <laughs> whatever whatever your vibe is, um, I hope you're yeah. able to be yourself in that moment. <laughs> Who else has thoughts? I have no idea. I don't know anything about art, and I'm just a huge Alexis Sablone nerd. Yeah. Um, yes. Big fan, but yeah. Did you Did you go, Adam? No, I didn't. I, you know, for some reason, I just did. I didn't get the invite. I don't know why. You know. <laughs> That's wild. I That's must have got lost in the mail. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you know some people just don't follow me on Twitter. I get it. Conscape. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I didn't go. But you know, I, I found out about it like through Instagram, and uh, it seemed cool. It. I think something. I forget. I think if you, Kyle, you just said that, uh, or. Or maybe it was said it was the people who were there who looked like influencers. I saw like some co- like some people post on Instagram, uh, like I just like trying to find out what what the deal with this party was. I just like clicked on a bunch of stuff and it's different stories and ended up at some I think influencers posts. I mean some some of their stories and they're like, "Thanks for inviting us, to Converse. We had a great time." Like about the Guggenheim thing. Like no mention of like Sablone. They were definitely not skaters. They were wearing a lot of like kind of whack Converse stuff. And I just like that. I feel like that kind of encapsulated my feeling about it. It's like, it just kind of feels a little bit bloated, like a little bit kind of, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Cause you, uh, you want to celebrate a skater like Alexis Sablon, of course, like she deserves it all, but maybe like it shouldn't be Converse that does it in that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It felt like that's what, I guess that's what it was. It's like, yes, this is exactly what Alexis Sablon deserves. She deserves a, hu- a huge ex- exhibition in a big gallery, um, but not sponsored by a shoe company just on her own. Or, I don't know. Like it, it, it shouldn't be something that is, has a corporate incentive or like we're inviting a bunch of uh, f- models to just populate the event, you know? It's an interesting test case, like you know, like it's an interesting sort of stamp in the in the timeline of 2023. Like, oh, 2023 spring, that was the year that Converse rented out the Guggenheim. Like Converse, who <laughs> like pays for Jankum, like Converse, who gave Louis a car, like Converse, who you know it, it has this kind of skate team and brought back the one star from target where I saw it as a kid or venture, you know, like this is who Converse is. They're Sean Pablo. And now they're like Guggenheim. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's, it's there for anyone interested in the kind of velocities and the, the geography of where skateboarding is and what the history is like, it's an interesting moment. Um, I think I fall Adam, like where you landed there that like, and I think all of us probably agree that like it couldn't have happened to a better person. Like if anyone yeah. is going to yeah. get get yeah. the Guggenheim rented out for two nights, right? Because one night she filmed the thing and then yeah. the other night is the party. Yeah. Um, you know, and 
I'm working on a project with Alexis right now. So I've like been talking to her as she's gone through this. And the fact is, is that like, it's a total surprise to her. You know, she didn't know that the Guggenheim thing was going to happen. She had no idea about any of this. It's not like she like stomped her foot and demanded it. What I can say to Alexis's credit is that the second she knew that they were going to like throw her a party at the Guggenheim, she's like, well then fuck it. I'm going to have some of my work there. And like started joking about it yep. and calling it her her like career retrospective. And so like, you know, like back to the way that people work, like Alexis for the last, I don't, I hope I'm not blowing her out here. Alexis for the last basically month of her life has been sleeping an hour a night, if that, like has just been working, has just been working. Yep exceptionally hard because here's an opportunity. When are you ever going to have a chance to be in the Guggenheim again? Like throw everything you have into it. And she did like, she's just been like throwing herself into these projects because this is it. And I mean, that's how the shoe came about. She was like, I'm going to, if I'm going to get to design a shoe, I'm going to fucking design a shoe. And there's something yeah. to me that's super admirable about that. And I don't know exactly yeah. where this fits into the like long project or like done is better than perfect. Like what Alexis is and that I've learned in the last however many weeks is like she's someone who recognizes an opportunity and will give everything that she has given the parameters of that opportunity. And it's super fucking cool to be around because she's like, yeah. I don't know how this happened. This is what's happening. I'm going to do everything I can to make it as cool as possible. Mm. Yeah. She doesn't like half ass anything. Nothing. 100%. The whole ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems like a testament kind of to some, to what uh, Ted B was talking about earlier, how, uh, you know, while you were working on your dissertation, while you were doing this thing that you spent a lot of time on, this other thing happened, like your, your page kind of blew up and, you know, you, and now you're, you know, here and now you're like, wh- whatever you can call it here, like this, this space that you never thought you'd be in because of that. And not because of like the dissertation, like kind of something happening on the sidelines, like Alexis, obviously going to school for architecture and, you know, kind of quitting pro skating and doing all this stuff and being an academic, but at the same time, still skating and still killing it. And then like kind of just blowing up at the latter half of her career. Now she's in an art museum, like not because of what, I mean, partly because of what she's done. I mean, she's not who she is without, you know, all the stuff she's done in architecture and art, but like, it wasn't purely that, that got her there. It was the skateboarding and it was her career and she took that opportunity. So it was kind of cool to see how those kind of things intertwine, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She like kind of did that with the Olympics and stuff too. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like I remember yeah. reading some sort of interview or watching some video or something where she's like, I'm not going to like basically get this opportunity again. So I'm just going to go for it and give it my all, yeah. which like, again, is like, to me, like so admirable and so cool because it's like doing things that are not necessarily like cool or like maybe even what you like really want even, but like knowing that there's like an opportunity yeah. and knowing you're going to have to work hard for it and going for it. You know, I think that's really sick. Yeah. But she's a tremendous risk taker. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people can say that they're not going to do that because they're scared of failing at so many things. And um, her fearlessness around going for it at the Olympics or 
like making art for the Guggenheim or designing her own shoe. She has this kind of like, I got to do it and I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it or I'm going to die. (laughs) She's just like, you know, (laughs) Yeah. the clips are like that too. Yeah. Yep. Like she, she has two amazing slams in her cons part, which I was going to talk about in a second. She has an amazing slam in Sir Palmer. Mm -hmm. And even in the Coliseum video, I'm like, dude, she's been Mm -hmm. eating shit. Uh, Like her cost benefit analysis (laughs) Part of her brain is completely fucking broken. (laughs) Um, Y'all, and I wish, I wish you could see the hour-long lecture and slide deck that she put together titled essentially, What is a Spot? And that she gave this lecture in in our course, I don't know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. um, And she just fucking crushed it, you know, in the middle of all this. Like, this has been the great, like, conflict of teaching this course with her right now is that she's in the middle of like the biggest career hammer there is, which is to have a pro shoe and to know that, okay, I'm going to get X dollars slash cents of every shoe sold. And also at at the same time, I'm teaching this class at the university of Chicago. I, and and this is the week I have to give a lecture on sight and desire. Um, And the fucking thing she puts together, this deck, this like, slideshow of what a spot is for 17 undergrads who don't skate and we're trying to like indoctrinate into skate theory without any skateboards like hey can you teach an undergraduate at the university of chicago to see a skate spot like can we teach them to recognize what a skate spot is without any skateboarding this will be an interesting thing to do and she just crushed it like like this deck is just pristine and the lecture she gave was just incredibly compelling and i mean yeah i don't i don't know there's something to be said for um I don't know. At at, at a certain point, it's not healthy, right? Like to take on everything and do everything as well as you can. Like at a certain point, what that leads to is like flaming out and sleeping for a week and like closing the door and going away. Um, But I, I, I mean, I will, I, I don't know that I've ever been more personally impressed by the way that someone goes about their business than I have been seeing Alexis go about her business. It's fucking wild. It's, it's inspiring. Yeah. I don't know if you, I mean, you probably, you're benefited by her refocusing her energies, but I think there's like, there's a hard circle to square, which is like what I want from a pro skater, which is like just skating. Like I, (laughs) I don't like, I frankly do not know what an Alexis Sablone building looks like. Uh, I don't know if she's ever designed one, but I just, I just want skating and that's kind of something that I've also felt is like an injustice is to see like, you know, whatever, all the effort that she has had to put into the X games and the Olympics and into graduate school. And it, it, it is frustrating to think about that. This is energy that she could have put into her pro career. And that at the end of everything, we really only have one 100% part from her. And it came two years ago Mm. and it's like, yeah, dude, she could have fucking had this tenacity focused on street skating and it just was never there until now. But why, it, why, uh, would, why would she have done that? Like, like what, you know, well, it's because like, when you're 22, your body compels you to. Yeah. But like her skateboarding now inspires people more than, than like a, a full part 15 years ago would have then or now. <laughs> yeah. 
I think. Yeah, I get. I mean, I could have used another yeah. Alexis Sublon part in like 2008. I'll be real. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long, you know, I you know, got that PJ Ladd part, you know, around 2000, 2001-ish. Or, wait, no, wasn't it 2000? Mm-hmm. When was that? 2002? Okay. Yeah, and it was like a little bit after <laughs> I'd started. I wrote about it in my diary. It was diary. early odds. It was very uh, Oh, that's adorable. But, uh, that's that's, um, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I could have used another one probably in my, yeah. you know, latter teen years. Keep the motiv- motivation flowing. Um, she also yeah, has but, that self film part too in the pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic. Oh yeah, part. that was that yeah. was pretty sick. That was I epic. mean, there there's been a lot of maybe stupid talk recently about like what a pro <laughs> is and who deserves to be pro and um, how many views you can get by talking shit about people being pro on YouTube or whatever. But like. I think what we're seeing is like a Ryan Ryan Lay, who's not here, God bless him. Like Ryan Lay should be pro, he might be pro should, again. Should <laughs> should be celebrated not for the footage he puts out, right? Like there is a model of a pro now, and I don't know who exactly started this, and that would maybe be interesting to figure out, but like there is a model of professional skateboarder now that is encompassing and broader than just skateboarding. Right. Like when Ryan Lay is thought of as a skater, he's he's also thought of as like, oh, he started skate after school. Like, oh, he um, does these long, weird distance running things. He is on this pot. Like it's all of these things. Um, And Alexis is absolutely the same way. Um, And so I don't know. I mean, like I I know at this stage in my life, I want a skater to be round in some way. I want a skater to Mm -hmm. have something beyond just like, oh, this person is a 100% dedicated to skating. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that we're short on skate output that we need skaters skating more. Yeah. There's so many more skaters. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to yeah. nerdly I mean, defend the no Alexis part, the weekend welcome to weekend part. Oh, that part rules. Yeah. yeah part. So, so there was oh, yeah. another okay. one. Yes. But that yes. was six yes. years ago. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Uh, good P I will, I will also, uh, like to reject everything you just said. Uh, Ryan Lay <laughs> is the second best skateboarder from Arizona of all time. He absolutely stands as a pro skater on the laurels of the tricks alone. I reject this characterization of him. But I'm saying, like, don't we, like, do we really want, I mean, do we really want to fucking, like, say that what a skate a pro skater has got to be now has got to be, like, part, 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 footage, footage, footage? Like, I just think, I, it's it's a weird thing that's it's not even really archaic because there was a time where there wasn't even like an option like there was you know the, I, yeah. I, I don't know I don't know we're getting off track maybe but like I do think that there is something there is something um, nowish and contemporaryish about the fact that like a, a pro skater and I don't mean like deserving to be pro or deserving to have a board what I mean is like skaters have opportunities and I, I, I hope they're interesting enough to do something with those opportunities like record a, a fucking hardcore album that then you go on tour across England and you rip and you have, you know, like fans 
suddenly Chris and you rule. Like there's something there. Yeah, there's something man. wonderful about people taking <laughs> skateboarding and doing something with skateboarding. Like we say all this shit about how like, oh, skateboarding teaches you determination. It's like, oh, great. So now you can like start an NFT startup and you can buy a brewery. <laughs> like, fuck that. Like, oh, skateboarding teaches you how to like. Mikey Taylor. Be, be a Mikey Taylor. Teaches you to be an like, apartment manager. You. Yeah. Do something yeah, else with it. Now, Apply so. it somehow interestingly. Like, do something with <laughs> yeah. it. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So you, I mean, a bunch of us have college degrees and now Ted is, you know, at the highest level of, of what a university can can dawn upon you. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> to call it. But do you think it's, I feel like it's just, there's something that's like, I feel like looking for skate for skaters to look for the institutions, like popular institutions to like give them shine feels like kind of icky though. Yeah. Do you not feel that? I, I mean, like I'll tell you that the root of my discomfort with that Alexis Sablone event at the Guggenheim was, I was like, all right, like you could skate the Guggenheim, but it's actually not that great to skate. And also <laughs> yeah. who cares? Like I want to see her work, her sculptures, her objects, her spaces, like, in places that are designated skate spaces where skateboarding makes the most sense, you know, like, yeah. like, and, and let's be frank, like no disrespect to like her and her efforts and all that she does. Like, it's amazing, but like those works aren't entering the permanent collection of the Guggenheim as they're not, you, you can't go next week and go see those works. Like, yeah. like this was an event yeah. and yeah, and and like yeah i for as an as a as an event for to release a shoe that's amazing but like yeah i fucking like the the fun that we had skating her her like plaza in in malmo was like was the point of like why i i think alexis sablone is amazing watching her yeah. her cons part like from two years ago is why I think she's amazing. Like what, what she does every day is why she's amazing. The museum part of it and the outside part of it and the seeking validation, not that anyone was besides like the company yeah. host, hosting the event. Uh, that's the less amazing thing for me. Sorry. Yes. Am I ranting? Yeah. Uh -huh. No, 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 no. That a, a, a cosine from a fellow tech. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Like I, yes, I think skateboarding is the most fun. I think we all agree that skateboarding is the coolest thing. And it's sometimes nice when you have a harmonious, like overlap with like the other shit that we're into, but it's very seldom. And it's usually not as intense and cool as the skate part. Yeah. yeah. I've had too much scotch. <laughs> 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 no, I, yeah, I think that was well put. I don't know. There's, I always wonder if there's like this indignant side of me that was like, you know, Kebs and I started at the same time. You guys were a little bit before me, um, before us. But it's that I always, I was like sold a sort of like rebellious skateboarding, and it wasn't really ever that. It was, it was just what I was sold on. You know, like that's what, that's what got it. You know, you could lie to the suburb kids to be like, you want to be rad? Like, check out this thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was sold a sort of like rejection of, you know, the things that made a suburban life impressive, which was fancy degrees, which was, you know, being approved in 
in whatever elite halls or from whatever, you know, good jobs you could have. And I was like, oh no, yeah, what matters is like in the streets. Like that's actually the start and the end of this thing. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of been hard to like, even though I know that like, I don't know, I'm like seeking to be rad to like a culture that never existed. It still like infects me. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Like though th these, you know, fuck a mining family, you know, like fuck, you know, fuck being approved by, uh, you know, a, a, a top 10 art program or, you know, however they're ranked. Um, it's just, it's just how much you give and are revered, like how much your shit is for skaters and how much it means to skaters. And like that little insular world is all that matters to me. Yeah. I don't know why, but I, I have that feeling. And then it's, you know, we're weighing that feeling up against it you know, what it's like to be a 35 year old who recognizes the realities of, you know, her needing to maintain a pro career and actually probably likes that museum and probably likes. But I'm, you know. I'm just curious about like, what is a pro shoe on con? Uh, I'm sure that's like a good year um, for her, like financially now, but like, how long is that shoe going to run? Yeah. It might be like buy apartment money though. Like that might be down payment on apartment money. That might be like life changing. Game Can I make a prediction shit. about it? Yes, please. I've, she's gonna blow. No, it. Like, no, I think she's gonna be a I think star. it's like gonna be like the Converse, like the Dunks for Converse. I think it's yeah. a really, really, really special shoe. Oh, right. I think I yeah, mean I just from oh, okay. how it looks and um, the name behind it. Uh, as long as they don't blow it in upper management, I think that that shoe could go on for a really long time. Yeah, um, no, probably be I think so too. I think the sort of so it's um, more of a Jordan where it's just about like the name recognition and what it means and like. The I think design. it's interesting that it's AS one the design, not yeah. like yeah, Sablone. You know, so it's kind of like I think there's also this ungendering of any time uh, like a non-binary or woman has a shoe. Hmm. You know, like the so I don't know, um, but I think that that it's the the style of that shoe is like really, really timeless and really cool. And I, I could mm. see, yeah. And also Alex I tried to buy a pair today and it was fucking sold out everywhere. I ended up on like tactics trying to find a pair of my size <laughs> and it wasn't there. <laughs> Alex, can I push on that a sec? Are you, are you suggesting that the AS is sort of like, um, ambiguous enough to yeah. be more marketable? Yeah. Like who, like, I don't think kids like even like, now know what a Janowski is. Like, I don't think they really know who Stefan Janowski is. Yeah, the scooter is. kids at the skate park have no idea about... No Janowski. idea. Yeah. Iconic <laughs> switch flip. Yeah, so I think... Yeah. I can see an AS1 sleeves. be like, oh, like, AS... Like, do you even know where those came from? I could see myself having a conversation like that in 2040. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Grandma, let's get you back home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what yeah. they're definitely doing is throwing their way behind it, right? Like, I think Cons yeah. has yeah. shown over and over again that they're they believe in this shoe, and yeah, yeah. hopefully, it hopefully it sticks around for a bit. And I could compare like marketing campaigns because we're gonna have. Um, we had in the last five years, we had Lizzie, Nora. Alexis, mm -hmm. we're going to have Leo. And I think there's yeah. one mm -hmm. more coming too. who else is getting mm -hmm. one. Oh, no. A pro shoe, maybe breezy. I'm not sure. There's one more person that's getting a pro shoe. Oh, so, mm. yeah. so I don't know. This is an interesting time. Yeah. Right. 
ultimately I, I think I keep my my reservations in check and in, in that you know I talked to Trevor and he was like dude she was stoked I'm like sick all right fuck whatever I think I want out of <laughs> being in the audience like that's nice yeah mm-hmm. like it, God knows God knows she's fought hard enough to be stoked for a while yeah, yeah. so skateboarding takes us to the Guggenheim uh it also takes us to Cambodia. Kristen. Boom! What about these transitions, Kyle? You want to work for Wednesday's my teaching day. I'm on my ship. Um, Get this man out Kebs, what took you... Kristen, what took you to Cambodia? What can you tell us about it? Um, Let's let's hear about... Would you? Would you mind just like holding forth a little bit and sharing what you were doing over there? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So, I guess I'll just share that this has been in the works for like a really long time and it kind of had gotten bumped back and bumped back like a bunch. Um, and I was kind of like stressing about when the trip was actually going to happen because I knew there was like Ryan's wedding. My band was going on tour, um, variety of other things. And, um, luckily I was able to go on tour with my band. We had, I think, I can't remember how many dates, like 10 or so dates in the UK, maybe eight dates in the UK. Um, and I was able to fly straight from Glasgow to, well, not a straight flight, but I was able to fly from Glasgow to Phnom Penh and make it there to get there right before the rest of my team flew from Seattle. So I was able to like butt those trips up right, uh, against each other. So I was really grateful to be able to do both. Um, but yeah, the ultimate balance of my life, music and skateboarding, it seems, um, it worked out this time in my favor. Um, suddenly I missed this wedding. One thing, <laughs> sorry, did you Ryan. just fly around the world? Like... I'm not sure if so I went like around it. the world. Oh, Phnom Penh. Yeah, because from oh yeah, and then I yeah, flew back to Seattle. Yeah, from Cambodia, did you cross the Pacific? Yeah, I did go around the world. You just went around wow. the world. Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. I didn't even think of that. Cue the Daft Punk. Um, I guess I'll tell that to my kids that I won't be having, but yeah, I'll tell your children <laughs> next yeah. time I see them. Um, but yeah, so basically, we got approached uh, by Skatistan. Um, they've been working with this organization called Win and Win, who works with the State Department to do like cultural exchanges through sport. And Skateistan had selected Skate Like a Girl as an organization they wanted to do an exchange trip with. So, in true me fashion, when I got asked if you know we want to do this, I said of course. So we've been kind of like I said planning um, this trip for a long time, and for a variety of reasons, COVID and scheduling and all that, we had to bump it back a bunch of times, but. Finally, we landed on the dates. And so I took, it was myself and then 10 people from Skate Like a Girl to uh, Phnom Penh in Cambodia, the capital of Cambodia, um, to go to visit with uh, Skatistan. They have a location there in Phnom Penh, led by Tin, who, if you've seen the movie Skate Dreams, you're familiar with her and her story. But she's a skater that I think basically like learned how to skateboard through um, Skatistan's programming there in Cambodia. And then now has kind of, rose you know through the ranks or risen through the ranks um and now is like the program officer for uh skate stand there so she kind of manages all of the programming um but yeah she's got a team there so i took scaly girl staff we went there uh we did a bunch of different stuff like we went to like see cultural sites like temples and you know went on a boat ride but then we also did like workshops so they um, shared with us how they work with youth with disabilities. And then we went and visited some of their program sites. Um, and also we did an event. Uh, the U.S. ambassador to Cambodia was there, which was 
probably the highlight one of the highlights of my life it was so funny like <laughs> are you guys familiar with that like meme it's like a video of like obama coming in and saying what's up to different people and like reacting to people in different ways yeah. based on his relationship with them um <laughs> anyways this guy comes in and it was just like that but it was like super like presidential like on the way in you know and then we did like the skate demo or whatever and he like he was like videoing me like i think during the like skate demo that we did and then um uh i was like chit-chatting with him for a second he's like oh my son skates like he's really you know he'd be jealous that i was here blah blah blah. and then on the way out like i went to give him a handshake and he's like daps me up (laughs) 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 Uh, which was pretty funny and he had like these like secret service guys with him and uh one of the guys had like a cambodian and um u.s like flag or whatever like pin on his jacket and i was like oh let's i was just trying to like make talk with him because i was just like what's this secret service guy about you know he's got the earpiece and everything is he super serious or what's his vibe you know and I was like, oh, it's a super sick pin. He's like, do you want it? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I mean, yeah, sure. You know, in my head, I'm like, oh, I'll just like give it to my dad or something. He's like, yeah, I got a bunch of these at the embassy. Like, here you go. Like, just like hooked me up with this pin. But yeah, that was like an event that we did for like a bunch of kids, some kids with disabilities, some kids that do their skate and create program. Um, it was a super dope event for like, you know, 150 people at their skate space there. Um, but yeah, just kind of getting back to it, I guess, you know, we learned about their programs. Um, they trained us on some of the stuff. We did some workshops, uh, a bunch of different activities, education and, and skateboarding focus activities, and then um, went to some cultural sites and stuff. And it was like about 10 days of a trip. Um, it was amazing. It was unseasonably super hot there, but and really humid. It was like 100 degrees, um, but definitely like such an amazing opportunity. And I'm super excited. The Cambodian team is going to come to Seattle in July. Um, and so I'm working on planning, like what I'm going to do with them while they're in Seattle. So super excited. But yeah, that's what the fuck I was doing in Cambodia. (laughs) What the fuck? That's so rad. Holy shit. Um, can I ask a a practical question? Of course. When you're skating like a demo in front of like the, like prime like Cambodian president or whatever. <laughs> it was the US ambassador. The US ambassador. A <laughs> uh, US ambassador. All right, sorry. I was yes, listening. Basically uh, the Cambodian president. It, <laughs> is it a lot of board slides or are you trying like crooks now I hear? Okay. So one, <laughs> one thing that I'll share with you is that in Cambodia not only was it like a hundred degrees and extremely humid and hot, but in Cambodia, they're very like professional. So for instance, like, uh, when we were setting up for the event, we were like, Hey, can the kids just like sit on the ground or sit on the ledge? And the Cambodian staff were like, no, like they need to be in chairs. And we're like, okay. And then we're like, okay, when we're skating the demo, can we wear like shorts and like a tank top? And like, no, you must have sleeves and you must wear pants. So it's like, uh. it was very interesting, like culturally, like they're really trying to present skateboarding because skateboarding is not like, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, like it's, you know, it's kind of like a dirt bag <laughs> culture in the United States, <laughs> right. but like internationally, I feel like they're really trying to like present it as like a sport and stuff. And I see a lot of value in that. And so I, that definitely, I just think in general, they're just like more like professional there um, and their standards of like courtesy with one another mm-hmm. and professionalism are just like way higher than we're used to. Um, so it's more slides. Um, it wasn't board size. I did, I did try to trace with the hip unsuccessfully. Wow. Uh, that was embarrassing. That was probably my, um, yeah, one of my most embarrassing moments. But, um, 
I did backside flip the hip project. first try. Did do some board Ooh. slides. Hey. Um, definitely on the more conservative nice. side. I did a, a couple yeah. like crowd pleasing maneuvers. I did like a five zero on the quarter pipe while high fiving the kids. Um, <laughs> I taught some young men how to bottle flip that day. Um, you know, there was some there was sport diplomacy happening. So yeah. I feel like I did my job, but unfortunately, did not get the tray flip um, during the demo period. Which you know, I'm sorry, America, for letting you down. How did it feel to skate after a ten day tour? And um, I guess a long flight and all that. I feel like that's so much stuff. Not great. I didn't. <laughs> uh, also, when I'm on tour, I always have this like idea. I'm like, yeah, you know, I just like get out of the van and throw a couple kickflips down. And you do that like one day, and then after that, you're like, fuck, my skateboard is like under everyone's guitar and like bags. And then like my nobody in my band wants to like wait for me to like skate. Everyone else wants to like try a heel yeah. flip three times on my board, then like pass the board around. So it's just like <laughs> it just is like this really annoying thing. So I end up just like not skating on tour unless like I have a proper day off yeah. or something and I can go like do my thing or whatever. But yeah, I kind of sort of gave up on skating on tour. So it does feel like a big break. And when I skate again, I'm super hyped to skate again, and I'm not like sore in the traditional places, you know. So I, my body's ready. So yeah. it's kind of like a nice little break. But yeah. Um, when you say you got out to temples, like how much of Cambodia did you get to see? Like, did you go to Angkor Wat where you guys, I mean, you were in Phnom Penh and did you stay pretty close to Phnom Penh the whole time? Yeah, pretty close. Um, a couple of the sites we went to, like we went to S21, which is like, mm -hmm. if you're familiar at all with like Cambodian history, the Khmer Rouge and like the super gnarly atrocities. Um, we went to like, uh, basically yeah the museum it's like at s21 and it's a museum of all the horrific tragedies all the like you know innocent people that were killed and things like that um it's pretty intense stuff and that was like pretty like deeply disturbing because you're walking through this facility where people were like tortured and killed and there's quite literally blood stains on the ground you can see the like they still have the structures and we like went through the whole thing and there's like a guided audio tour and it's just like gnarly. Like you, you're like kind of just like, like you feel gutted. Right. And I get to the end and there's a guy there that's like a survivor of it. And he's like, he's an older guy, but like not that old, you know? And then it like hits you. You're like, this like happened in like the seventies. Like what the, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was just like, that was like really deeply moving. And, um, it also like in a way really cont contextualized, like, what like people that are more my age are like really dealing with and how that country is like recovering. Um, so it, it was cool to like know that and not just be like, yeah, we're here and teaching kids how to skateboard, you know? Um, and then we also went to like a couple of different temples, um, which were super rad. Um, we went to like Silk Island, which is like a place where like they have like women that are widows, like making silk and stuff. And then they sell them for like fair prices and or, like fair prices. And like, you know, they're able to like, earn a decent income and stuff like that. So we got to see some stuff, but yeah, nothing like outside of that really. Um, it was a pretty short trip, but it was, I feel like, yeah, definitely learned a lot. And yeah. I don't know. This question's going to like take me, I'm going to have to like walk around the block to get to <laughs> it, but, uh, and mostly Greek block. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, do you feel I guess it's like kind of straightforward, but um, do you feel kind of weird about bringing 
something that kind of like is an American cultural export to a place that has sort of been like terrorized famously by, you know, <laughs> like literally it was terrorized by America, like Henry Kissinger and, and Richard Nixon fucking did that. Um, do you, do you feel weird about kind of being, uh, like kind of sharing parts of these sort of like American cultural activities with places that have kind of been the victims of our empire? Is that weird? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. I definitely had, had like thoughts like that. Um, like just from my experience, like, uh, going and being a part of and like helping with their programs on like, there's kids, um, that have like down syndrome and, um, you know, are on the autism spectrum and have other like special needs and disabilities that they're navigating and like helping those kids, like get their pads on their helmets and watching them like butt board down the hill or even just pump or kick turn a little bit and just seeing like the joy on their face. Like it's like, yeah, to me, it's like, yes, it's like extremely conflicting, but knowing that like this thing, like skateboarding, like brings joy to people and brings like just the purest joy. Like that's, not tied to like doing a trick properly or having six style or like any of the things that we like sort of equate like to like yeah. goodness and skateboarding, like them just like, like I said, just like do this, their face lighting up, you know, like just butt boarding down like a ramp, you know, like, and just like high fiving and like dancing with like, you know, the skate stand crew and like my crew and just having this immediate connection with these young people that I've never met before in my life that are navigating like, you know, a really difficult, like, life ahead of them, you know, and just the joy that skateboarding brings to them, like, feels so pure, you know, that, like, yeah, 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 yeah. in a way, like, it feels weird, but, like, also, like, kind of undeniable, like, the power of skateboarding to, like, meet people in this, like, unique, beautiful way, like, in a way that, like, if we were trying to play tennis with the kids, like, it would just not be fun because it's too hard, you know, like the mm -hmm. fact that skateboarding, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it can be extremely difficult, but anybody could just sit on a board and ride down it on their butt pretty much, you know, and just how stoked yeah, yeah, they yeah. got, you know, I don't know. I hope that doesn't mm. sound too like yeah. corny, like, uh, yeah, bro. But like, for real, that's what I experienced. <laughs> no, for real. Uh. Yeah. And it, yeah. It's, and also I think what's interesting is you're talking about like how kind of their address, they're like integrating it like more as a sport. And you're like, you're actually not really introducing them to like, the cultural aspect mm -hmm. as much, which is, I think, probably the more American part yeah. of skating, which is like, here's Drew Desort. This is wax style. Oh, like, yeah. here's fucking, here's uh, Rowan Zerillo. This is dope style. Like, and you need to know the difference because, like, one of them will get you celebrated and the other one will get you shit on. Like, whereas, yeah, if you're just kind of there for the, for the just actual, like, corporal experience of being on a skateboard, then it's, uh, it's much less entangled with kind of I think the cultural mess of I think that also I mean Kristen I think what you just said is incredibly beautiful and Ted I think that's an exceptional question like I think it at the very least like what that just does is like what we just had was evidence of the fact that like skateboarding as an American I don't know development as an American discovery as an American kind of um, cultural, I don't know, institution, if we introduce it to the world, like what a testament to the fact that a, no, let's just skip to B. like 
B, it, it doesn't, it's, it's so much bigger than American culture and American values. Like if, if America had anything to do with the creation of skateboarding, like if there was something about rock and roll and if there was something about, you know, our horrific history of violence upon indigenous people in the U S like if, 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 the sort of bouquet and the buffet that made skateboarding happen in the U S like if that's where it came from, like where it is now and with ambassadors like Kristen carrying it to Cambodia, like it's so, it yeah. so transcends whatever the fuck we're up to. It's so transcends rumble. Mm. It's so transcends like whatever, <laughs> Damn. whatever, whatever we are like, it's better than us. Like, like, yeah. jazz, like any, like, you know, yeah. like yeah. denim is better than us. Like we, we, we are lucky <laughs> for fucking Levi's. We are lucky for jazz music. We are lucky for skateboarding. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, Chris, I, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Chris, and, um, yeah. I was just going to add too yeah. that. Like Ted, I think you're right. Like that, like the parts of skateboarding that they got was quite literally the skateboard, the obstacles, like they maybe got like the, like, manual you know what i mean but they didn't get like the bullshit like unwritten rules and the way that we do what we do like that part has not really from my experience like had not really been exported and i think that's awesome like for instance like the skate competition like i was expecting like okay cool like we'll volunteer and help judge and you know we'll make a score (laughs) sheet and stuff absolutely not their competition was literally they did a limbo for the kids with disabilities so they're just literally going under Uh like a string like however they could get under it you know which was super cute and the person that got under like the lowest the most amount of times like was the winner and there was only one winner for that and then they did a kick turn contest which was like you run and you like get in place and then you do a kick turn and you come back to the other place and then you run and do a kick turn go back you push do another kick turn and it's how many kick turns you can do in a minute and then they did the same (laughs) thing for ollies it was like how many ollies can you do in a minute and I was like, this is so sick. Like, I say, like, this is not a skateboard contest. Like, you know what I mean? Holy In shit. the traditional sense at all. It was like, like I said, like they got like the user manual, but then they just like made up the rest of it. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they got the skateboards and then they like made yeah. it theirs and they were bumping like Cambodian rap, like during the event and like Cambodian music. <laughs> um, they played like the Cambodian national anthem. Like they did not play the U S national, like, you know what I mean? Like it was theirs. And like, <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. thought that was really special. Like, yeah. Fucking rules. Do that you, rules. Kristen, do you feel at all changed coming back from Cambodia? I gained a few pounds. <laughs> I drink a lot of soda. <laughs> all <of it. laughs> a lot of rice. You, pro- you probably lost yeah. those pounds in hair though too. <clears throat> True. I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, my haircut's stuff right now. But in inspired or like, yeah, you know, yeah. I know what your question was actually asking. I was just yeah. being an idiot. Um, <laughs> I was delaying so I could come up with a real answer that isn't corny. But I mean, yeah, like I am in a way like tremendously proud of, you know, the work that I do. You know, I'm reminded that it's really important. Um, but I think like the biggest thing that I'm taking away from my experience there was that like skateboarding is so much more than like, I don't know, the culture that we sort of made up for ourselves that we like live in, the frameworks that we live in, right? Because again, I went to Cambodia and I saw the like pure joy that people were having with skateboards and it was so different from like the way that like 
I typically try to teach skateboarding or facilitate skateboard programming or, or how I've found joy in skateboarding, which is very much like learn a trick, learn it on a bigger obstacle, film it in the streets, put out the video part. Like to me, I like have this like rigid <laughs> understanding of like how I can be successful in skateboarding. And I'm reminding that like all that shit is just made up. And like, ultimately, like what I should be doing in my role at Skate Like a Girl is just like making people happy through skateboarding and however the hell we get there is like, totally fine and up to the participant. Like it's not on me. Like I should not be deciding how others find joy in skateboarding and framing what I do with Scale Like a Girl around these traditional systems we've created. And like, I'm like just talking to my staff team and other directors about like, how can we like work with more youth with disabilities? How can we like make skateboarding more inclusive? Like what's the next like frontier, especially as like, you know, you go to skate parks these days and there's like hella women and there's a lot of like, you know, it's not perfect, but there's more queer representation than ever. There's more trans people in skateboarding than ever, like visibly. Right. So, you know, we're just kind of talking about like, what are the new ways we can expand and and create joy through skateboarding and, and, and focusing on the joy aspect more so than like, learning things and learning life lessons and like whatever the hell again these rigid structures that we've created i mean as you're as you were describing like the you know the the cambodian contest <laughs> system i was just like i want to see how many ollies i can do in a minute <laughs> no, I'm like, Dude, right? <laughs> you know like i want to go out and try that that would make me enjoy skateboarding so much more like or just like have that like I've, you know, we, we, I get, we all get these sort of brief moments of like, oh yeah, this is what it's about. Um, and I'm sure we've, we talked, we've talked about this before, but like, where does the joy go? Is Mm -hmm. it adulted? Is it like maturity? Is it like being indoctrinated into like our various systems? But like, how do we find joy like that still in skateboarding now? Yeah. You know? It's, it's all, it's also in conflict with like needing it. Like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but like, I, I need to skate or else like I'll, I'll come apart really, really fast. And so that joy is like, also like earlier you weren't so, I don't know, you weren't so dependent on it. So like now it's, it's, uh, yeah, the joy is mixed now and I don't know. It's I, we're still pretty fucking lucky to even have it in the moments that we you know like, like a, a access to it at all five times a weekend yeah. yeah 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 um how to maximize that I have no fucking idea do we forget how like miserably we are as children and like why skateboarding <laughs> appealed to us or something is that what it is maybe a there's little definitely bit. a sense of that there's a lot of waiting around as a kid <laughs> yeah. yeah so many adults telling you what to do. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, I we literally, were in school. It sucked. Yeah. yeah. Like I literally picked skateboarding because I didn't want to be like coached, you know? Like I wanted to yeah. figure it out myself. Yeah. You know, there was like this uh, kind of, I guess, pretty bold like arrogance as a young person wanting to do something hard and, and yeah. prove something like that I could do it, you know, that I was different than my brother, that all that stuff. I would maybe, I don't know, not bold arrogance, but intel in your case, like intelligent confidence, like (laughs) knowing, knowing that you could actually just, yeah. I mean, it's something there. Yeah, totally. Um, Also like earlier, you don't have the same feelings to like, I don't know, prove skate stuff, you know, like now I kind of like, you know, uh, 
if I'm being honest, you know, I try to perform goodness. Like I try to be good at skating, like hard moves that I think look nice. And that's, that's very big of you. We've never noticed that. Really? I was I always wondered why you were trying to like top dog the entire, every session. <laughs> Oh, man. How, but, how vulnerable of you to like, open up. Like, yeah, I know. Right? I, have no idea. Uh, I had, I had like, I got to a mini ramp session in like the last five minutes and like first, first rip, I was like, all right, I'll do the biggest frontside ollie here. Like that's just <laughs> how it's going to, but yeah, I mean, but dude, you know, like whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm all fucked up in weird ways, but the, you know, one of the ways in which I get like value and meaning is through like, people telling me nice. Yeah. And, uh, it's kind of, you know, when you're just learning the mechanics of the fucking thing and you're learning to do as many ollies as you can or manual, you know, we like to manual sidewalk cracks. That was like the ultimate. And, uh, yeah, it was like, dude, you just kind of, it, it didn't have these other issues of like self-esteem so consciously wrapped in it. And so I don't know. Yeah. It's gotta be part of whatever having a life lived with, you know, I don't know, regrets and responsibilities that did just fuck dude. I think age just muddies it. It's gotta be like the age thing. Cause yeah, you don't feel things like when you're, 13, 14. You know, it's like stand by me. Like no one ha- ever has better friends than you did when you were like that age or something. Yeah. Yeah. Except me. <laughs> Except me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all my friends were Mormon then and they all fell off. <laughs> yeah. I think there's something to that too. Like the, when you're talking about the manualing side, sidewalk cracks thing, I feel like I still, the times where I feel like I find myself skating a lot more now, just, uh, to and from places because I feel like I get so little time to just skate and actually have long sessions. So especially in New York, like I just find myself just doing the stuff I always thought was cool. Like where it's just, yeah, just like going really fast down the street. Like that's, there's nothing like that. Like actually last time I did that was when I saw uh, you and Kev's uh, Ted um, that day yeah. we went to that vegan uh, burger place and I skated back home uh, from I guess it was around like 34th street and there was like a good five blocks of no cars and a big wide st- stretch of like Manhattan street and I just skated down really fast I was like wow this is this is what skateboarding is all about this is so beautiful <laughs> fuck <Dude. laughs> I feel like a kid you, holy shit have you guys been following that one dude that's like skating across America <laughs> just mm-hmm. reminded yeah. me of that no that sounds yeah. stressful yes but I reject <laughs> the project <laughs> i reject the premise Shit. um <laughs> i reject i reject the premise for a lot of reasons under no circumstances does the does the trail from california to the east coast ever take you to the u.s mexican border it it doesn't fucking go that way yeah you gotta really be charting that course you freak <laughs> I hope he makes it safely. Yeah, I hope he's okay. Let's, let's <laughs> I think he's doing pray pretty for, good. Pray for Mr. Car- What's yeah. his name? Caruso? Caruso? Mm-hmm. Mr. Caruso, yeah. yeah. No. I hope uh, I hope the selfies with, with uh, cops comes to a close. <laughs> THP. <laughs> Are they going to broadcast that on Rumble? <laughs> it's, it is on Rumble, actually. <laughs> Did we do it, Ted? I think we did it. I th- I think w- I think we did it. I think I we think did I gotta it. I got to put my kids uh, to sleep. 
Yeah. Aww. I gotta put yeah. myself to sleep. Well, uh, the good news is, Alex, we will not be uploading this to YouTube. We're going to Flag, flag, flag. I'm confused. How many, how many random third party video platforms will like skateboarding attach itself to? Like, like, cause there's caffeine. Right. ETN. Caffeine. Now we're on Rumble. ETN. Rumble. Fuel. Common denominators of barracks. How many more sucker ass, like investor funded, like bullshit apps will we like, like this has been funding skateboarding for so long. Like somebody please think of the shareholders. Endlessly. (laughs) (laughs) As long as Steve Bear is around, he'll make sure. I saw Steve, uh, I had a a long conversation with Steve. I had a very bizarre weekend. (laughs) Whoa. Okay, how is this not the main topic of tonight? This you oh, went to fuck. Cambodia and uh, spread joy like. I just want to talk about Steve Barrow. I have no Let like you, like at one point I felt like Kristen was like my like little protege and she is far surpassed yeah, me <laughs> like doing amazing things in the world. I was like this kid's cool. <laughs> Don't discount the shit. stoke you're spreading through fuck, the Rumble app. Man, like that's amazing. I'm like so uh jealous. Not jealous, uh, proud of you, and like, like, oh god, like, where did I go wrong? <laughs> come on, come on. Yeah. Come on. Um, yeah. Well, tell tell the people uh, what they want to hear. Come on. Yeah. What, what was what your did... What was your conversation like? What did you guys talk about? We talked about kids. Like that's all. Like I, I try to keep it um, about kids, and uh, he's actually like a very nice person. Honestly, like the last time I saw him was Battle of the Barracks, and. Um, that I had, I sent that picture to the group chat with like, like Alexis Sablone on the floor and and yeah. Steve Barra like still t- like talking to her like so disheveled and like sweatpants. <laughs> yeah, 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 that that picture. Um, uh, yeah, no, he's just like he's li- he lives out there. He's got a kid out there in schools, and we just talked about how like LA is too fast for children, and like it's nice to live in a place where your kid can walk to school. That's kind of the the gist of it. And he was getting approached by a lot of people to talk to him, so. I don't know. But he wanted to talk to know. you. Yeah, yes, I guess it was nice. I don't know. I like it was a bizarre weekend. It was the highlight was hanging out with Kyle and meeting Kristen and like going out to dinner and uh, we had his pop personal pie. wife. His yeah, personal his own wife. personal <laughs> wife who is so fucking funny. She's like Lauren Kebs. She's like my really? sister. She reminds me so much of Lauren. Like so her mannerisms and like her humor and like her kind of like dryness. Like it was like anyway, it was really funny. She's great. Lover, she crushed. I was really happy to meet Andrew. Yeah, yeah, we had Andrew and Shay came too, so we had. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a it was a nice group and it was a very positive yeah. NHS forward night. <laughs> NHS forward. <laughs> 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 Did I tell you about uh, reverse kingpins or? <laughs> we didn't talk about kingpins. Yeah, no, we had to do that so we could we could charge it to the game. Dinner's just one long product review. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it's actually on YouTube. <laughs> on YouTube <laughs> no, product great. challenge. Are we gonna do a trick uh, challenge? Are, oh, yeah, we about the structure we do, of this. How yeah. many alleys you can do in a minute? Oh, yeah. let's go! Oh, yes. Let's go! So good. Let's go! I love How that. many hours can you do funny. in a minute? That's really cool. So Cambodia, that one yeah. did like 
I want to say 19 or something. Should we, should we make it less? I feel like for the American attention span, we should make it 15 seconds. I was thinking the same thing to like (laughs) get on the story. A minute, people are going to get bored. A minute would be hilarious though. I want to read a (laughs) succession recap. At a certain point, you're just like, what am I doing? (laughs) Dude, what's the pro challenge? Like a switch flip or something? How many switch flips in a minute? Yeah, it, it'll be for Ryan. How switch, I feel switch like knowledge. I could beat Ryan. Yeah. In switch flips? Just kidding. I can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we saying a minute or are we saying 30 seconds? Like, what, okay. what are we doing here? Should we settle at 30 or? 30 seconds. 30 okay. sounds good. And then we can edit it down to a hot 15. Yeah. You can speed it up. <laughs> yeah. A tight yeah. 15. Yeah. A tight 15. Uh, like Ted said. How legit are these ollies um, do you have to be? I mean, like, you okay, can just so like, our, hit your tail. They can be Glenn Fox ollies. <laughs> Our rule was that tail just had to hit the ground and you had to land on the board and like okay. maintain control. So kind of like gymnastic standards, you know how you had to put your hands in the air. So kind of like that. So <laughs> you don't just have to get a lot of air time. Just tail's got to, sure, you got to cack. Sure. But you don't okay, have you to, cack. you don't have to level. Necess- you don't have to like, you don't have to necessarily level. It. No. Okay. Skate a sand Cambodia rules. Okay. Just a cack. Great. Um, I was the judge of the Ollie contest, by the way, slash MC. That was my role at the event. <laughs> brag. Um, I know. A humble brag. Um, it was a good time. Awesome. Great. Where the All kids right. like, these judges are shit. <laughs> like they do for SLS. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the comments. Yeah, they're up in the comments. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see it. Let's let's go. Ollie's 30 seconds. Ted Barrow, what are you what are you guessing? Give me a give me a over under on your Ollie's in 30 seconds. In, in, oh, 30 seconds now? Yeah. Three. <laughs> I said, I think it was It takes me a while to set up. Three? Yeah. You don't have to do that. I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm like, you know, <laughs> a legwidly back. Three. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> I will be Monica Torresing. Yeah. It's like trying I think I can do, I think in 30 seconds, I could do. I don't know how fast my body can move. I could do 10. 10? 10? Uh, no. I'm for sure. Claims, Three sir. seconds I is do, so like, fucking, fucking long. Like, staple gun, like, like, like tap in the fucking tail. Yeah. Right. But, but you have to put your arms up. Like, no, 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 no. no <laughs> you oh, no, you have to put your arms up. Finish. Finish. Maintain finish. control. Can't, like, Maintain control. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. You don't have to. Right. Nadia, so come in each. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brianna King had a good thing for on her, like, tutorial thing. She says, like, find a parking lot with a downhill slant. And you know, like the white lines between parking spots, mm-hmm. she, like that's like the perfect tempo to practice doing quick successive ollies. And I've done that a bunch. It actually is like a good skate workout thing. Like oh, you're like, cool. oh, ollie, ollie. Like it gives you that kind of tempo. Oh, we have to be moving, huh? I didn't even think about that. Oh, you don't. I really, I really like that. Oh yeah, okay. I was planning on carpet. Socks. What were what were those um, black plastic trucks that like weren't? Trucks? Oh yeah, for they're, learning how to skate or something. They're called soft so, trucks. Thank you, Ted. I knew I could rely <laughs> yeah. on you for this uh, institutional knowledge. Any any gadget that's made its way into woodwork. That's <laughs> what about skater trainers? That's my expertise. I'll use skater trainers. <laughs> oh. Wait, are skater trainers the ones that also turn into a scooter? No. I think they lock no, the they're wheels. Like the, okay. they, yeah, they like they're like a yeah, rubber yeah, thing that goes through. They're, they're yeah. BDSM for your wheels and trucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lock yeah. me up, yeah. daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. I think we did it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Oh, so Land on that. Lock Guys, me up, daddy. Uh, the title. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
thank you everyone for listening our intro music is by the band roar our credits music is by the lovely the amazing the talented dylan bryan our logo and graphic design as always is by michael warfel and this episode was mixed and edited by the wonderful adam burns New York summer is just inside the corner and we are really looking at some serious blowout factor. So I'm gonna tell a couple of you guys what you gotta do, what you gotta look out for. I'm the New York guy. I fucking know everything about this town. You want the real deal? Right places to eat? Joe's Pizza next to the Trader Joe's at Union Square, okay? I know the shit. So I'm gonna tell you guys what you need to look out for when you come to town to get your little clippies for your summer montage or your June wrap-up post, okay? Justin Marquis, I know what you've been looking at, but do not go to the courthouse. It's scary and it's dangerous. And if you do a trick that somebody already did, one of those snitch accounts, there's a new one, ABDNYC or some bullshit, they're gonna get you. And they're gonna get real mad at you for not respecting the things that have been done there. You want a backside nose grind? Out to the end? Sorry, Brandon Westgate. You want a backside nose grind and then pop in and then kickflip off the drop? I'm sorry, Evan Smith. But the worst fate, fate worse than death, you're gonna get reposted on the same spot, same angle and they're gonna think it's such a crazy coinkydink that you also did the same trick. You're gonna continue their streak. This insanely banal posting streak. You are going to add to that catalog. Don't do it. Avoid it at all costs. Go to LES. Have a fun little park session. Justin, you'll have a lot of fun at LES and then you can look at a hubba that B.A. skated and Diego Todd skated. And then, who knows? You can have a nice day from there. Just don't go, okay? Don't go to the courthouse. It's not, it's not a good spot. That brings me to another person who's got their eye on downtown, okay? Andy Yamazaki. I know what you're thinking about, but don't do it. Do not go to Blubba. It is so fucking close to the courthouse, you can see it. You're standing on the hubba with a little kink on it. You're looking right at the courthouse drop, but don't look. All the tricks are ABD. And none of them are as good as Casey Rigney's. Go to Columbus Circle. That's actually a really good idea. Now that I think about it, Alex Kissinger, do not go to Columbus Circle. It is just, it's so busy. Andy Yamazaki is already there putting on an absolute clinic in ledge work. And you don't want to hang around there to see that awful time when the street performing ballerina starts her show for the people in the bus. 
You know that bit where she looks like she's practicing in the public circle, and then she bumps into that plainclothes goof who acts all apologetic, and then he starts riffing the ballet routine with her? Okay, it's an okay bit. Only the skaters keep trying to skate while her show is going on, so she has to take her 15 years of ballet practice and add that to the spatial awareness that it takes to get out of the flat bottom in a ramp jam. You would just sit there, fucking stressed out that somebody's gonna hit her already scarred and delicate ankles, and for what? Front tail fakey? Front lip on a flat ledge? Flat ground fakey biggie? You don't want that. You don't wanna see that. Don't go there. This one's a big one. This, you know what? Everyone goes, I know for a fact that you've been, but you don't wanna do this next one. Sean Doyle, do not go to Burrow Hall. I know you want to, but it fucking sucks when I see everyone struggling to maintain their flat ground moves or maybe flex over the grate a little bit as you casually throw every flip trick in the book like you're Tom Penny, but with more power and better style. Yes, I said that. I said better style than Tom Penny. I said that you have better style than Tom Penny. That's what happens when you go to Burrow Hall. And it makes me feel bad that you don't know that everyone else is secretly mad at you for making Tom Penny, in his prime, look like a dopey schmuck. A clumsy little British asshole. He's doing switch flip in a hallway, sure. But there you are, in the open air of downtown Brooklyn. Dumbo, as I say. And you're throwing switch flip into manual. Switch flip into nose manual. No roof, no hallway. No Southern California small steps, but still everyone just trying to hang on to their last few flip tricks is also hanging on to the hope that Tom Penny possessed the superlative style and technique, and they were alive to see it. Well, actually, they were alive to see after the fact black and white clips in Manic Matty. But still, holding him up as the paragon of form means something to them, and the nostalgia that feeds their skateboard habit. Do not take that away from them. Go to Fat Kid. Nobody goes there. Rule in the shadows. <sighs> Sag, do not go to the Brooklyn Banks nine stair. It's a nine stair. It's not even, when you think of the Brooklyn Banks, that's not what you think of. You don't go, yeah, Stevie Williams, frontside flip into the wump next to the nine stair. No, you don't think about that. You think about the fucking wall ride. Or sometimes, you think about the bump to street. That's not that, dude. It's the fucking nine stair. The Anthony Papalardo nine stair. And there's no pole jam. The Jamie Ray is nine stair. And that's not even there anymore. It's a different rail. It's the Niels Bennett rail. You don't fucking want that one. Okay? Sure, there's little slappies on the side. Sure, you can get some of those. But they're scary too. Okay? Oh, flip into the mellow bank? It's not the... I can't stress this enough. It's not the fucking banks that Stevie skated. It's different ones with scary planners everywhere. You can't even breathe good down there. And hello, cops, both sides of the plaza. That is not very ACAB of you. Not ACAB at all, Sag. I understand you want to do some skate tourism. I know the Antonio clip made it look like something you could play around on, but sadly, it's not. And the rail is actually super fucking scary. You have to be good, like Jiro Platt good to skate it. So I just, 
I need you to stay away from there, okay? Get the fuck away. Go. And that's it. That's all the stuff that you guys need to avoid. You can have all sorts of fun at Chauncey. You can have all sorts of fun at Stroud. You can, you can go to the pier if it rains. The pier provides, okay? Do not go to those spots. You're gonna have a great time. You're gonna have a great summer. Come visit. It's a wonderful city and I have opened the door to it to you. Thank you.